Hello, and welcome to episode five of Booze Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ollie. And I'm Sam. And each week, we bring you chilling tales from our crypt. Sam, any interesting happenings going on this past week? Um, not really. I mean, I was scrolling through, like, website articles, Facebook and all that, and I saw this story about this guy who found um, a baby fetus in his mother's freezer. What? Yeah. So I guess the mom had had, like, a miscarriage or something, mm. and she had kept the baby fetus in a shoebox in her fridge. And the mother died, so he goes and he's going through all these boxes and stuff because his mom always told him not to touch it. And his box has been sitting there for like 20 years. So he thought maybe it was like money or some like treasure because you know how people like to hide Man, how disappointing is that? Your family member, in this case his mom, passes away and he's thinking, ooh, secret stash, something, you know, here's, I can finally uncover the secret she's been hiding. Ooh. And it's your sibling. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, ugh, so gross. So, yeah, that's what I heard. Um, Anything new with you? Anything you've heard? Anything awful? Nothing really that I've come across. I've thought recently on my drive over here that I should start looking up um, creepy, weird news to bring to (laughs) y'all each week. But that one is definitely, that's perfect. Cool. Yeah. We've done our job here. One one creepy thing that happens. Yeah, we don't need to terrify you guys more than we already do. (laughs) Exactly. Um, thankfully, this week, I'm bringing you guys something a little more lighthearted, so you won't be that upset with me. Cool. Well, maybe we can end with yours then, since it's lighthearted. Mine's not very lighthearted. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely yeah. start with yours, and then they can yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> at me. Yes, please send any comments, questions, concerns to... Boozepodcast at gmail.com. B-O-O-Z. And we'll also be posting pictures on our Instagram, as we say every week, just to encourage you not to uh, Google things while you're driving. Yes, which you've been doing very good with, so I'm proud of you. Yes, I received a text message from Sam the other day, and I was in traffic, and I looked at it, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to respond. She will be so proud of me. (laughs) And then I didn't respond, period. (laughs) Well, I meant, like, I'm not going to respond until I get to my destination. And And you completely forgot. completely forgot. So that's if people say why or ask why I don't respond to them, it's because I'm driving like 20 hours out of my day, just about. Yeah, you drive a shit ton. I do drive a lot. That's crazy. So podcasts are for, though. Definitely. Listen to a lot of them. All right. Are you ready for your story? I am ready. I am so ready. So um, I'm not going to tell you the title of it. I'm just going to dive right into it. All right. I like surprises. Yes, I know you do. So. In 1994, two brothers went to visit the home of their mother, Deborah Stevens. What they found was far worse than they could have expected, though. Oh, no. You know, you expect to visit your mom. Get some cookies or something. Nice meal. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes nice meal. 
Um, or if she just takes you out to eat, like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Once arriving to the now infamous house in Baltimore, they discovered their mother's lifeless body, lifeless on the ground near her front door, with her head laying ten feet away from the bo- her body. Oh no! Yeah. What? How gruesome! Like I would need years and years of. I would to pass that. out seeing that. Like, uh, no. Well, no, thank you. In some articles, and I'll give you my list of sources um, at the end. Um, so if I forget, remind me. <laughs> I'll yell at you. Don't worry. So, <laughs> man, I'm probably thinking Sam yells at Ollie a lot. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so some article, one article that I read said that the brothers thought that it was a joke at first. Because mm-hmm. some kind of optical illusion or whatnot because it was so horrific like a halloween prop or something yeah like like it just didn't make sense Mm -hmm. uh two panes of a living room window had been broken so robbery was suspected of the intent however the decapitation seemed too sinister for such a crime stevens their mother was 62 years old so what's interesting about this though is stevens was also known as sister myra and she was considered the matriarch of one of the most powerful groups of gypsies in the united states where she was murdered her in her home she also worked her business um through there according to the daily news stevens was a petite woman who could barely see over her cash register who frequent frequently wore long flowing skirts and a bandana around her head total bohemian vibes wait wait not to cut you off but isn't gypsy considered like a racial term now so going through all of this each and each article i read like described her as a gypsy and so she was a gypsy and gypsy clan um and then it wasn't until after writing all this i kind of fell into you know the foxhole like the rabbit hole um that the internet so easily provides Mm -hmm. and i started reading about gypsies and yes now like it is considered kind of a derogatory word but i don't understand like why journalism hasn't caught on to to that gotcha um I, yeah it, this could have easily been a like two hour long <laughs> episode on like just gypsies in general yeah um and the origins and just kind of how they've been persecuted throughout the centuries which they really have been mm-hmm. um so yeah through like because of the sake of just the research it all says gypsies but um they're romani people gotcha yeah the the proper term is romani gotcha mm-hmm but because I was just diving into these articles and um, rephrasing them. I probably should have changed it out to Romani, but... Yeah, she worked as a palm reader and fortune teller out of her home, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, Stevens was known to give refuge to caravans of... Or actually, I could just change it right now. Yeah, you can uh, just change Romani, it. Um, gave re- refuge to caravans of Romani people that traveled with the carnival up and down the East Coast. Um, A friend of the family said she was considered the poor person's listener. She listened to those who were lonely, those who felt like they had problems but could not afford sessions with a psychiatrist because, I mean, if you really don't have insurance, that stuff is expensive. It's like $100 a session. No, even with insurance, I think when I was going in San Diego, they wanted like $250 a session. And I was like, you are effing insane. Like, I will deal with it myself. That is terrible. Yeah. That dissuades a lot of people from... Yeah, yeah. Getting the help that they need, I'm sure. But this woman, um, you know, she provided her community with that kind of comfort and care from with her expertise without charging them, you know, that outrageous amount. 
Which sometimes that's all someone needs, you know, just to talk. So yes. Mm-hmm. She was, I'm sure, a very vital person in the community. Yes, and that she was. But unfortunately, her caring spirit brought her to her fate. Mm. So two hours after her body was found, police responded to a call where a man attempted to jump in front of an Amtrak train in an attempt to commit suicide. Astonishingly, the train missed the man, and he was taken to the hospital for his injuries. I mean, now at the time, of course, they didn't expect that this was related at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the man attempted to run from the police, again, to lay in front of um, moving oncoming vehicles, and you know, to attempt his mission of suicide, but he failed once again. So he was being treated at the hospital, at the nearby hospital, and he started talking about the murder that happened to uh, the Romani woman, Stevens. Mm -hmm. And that's where they started putting the pieces together that... It's connected. That this man was the one that attempted, or that committed this awful crime. Uh, Because at the time, there was no motive for the murder, and the mur- there was no murder weapon found at the scene. Now, was the crime scene area, like, really bloody? Or did it look like she was decapitated in another location and brought there? Do you know? So, if you Google the house, there are so many, like, YouTube videos of people going in and videotaping, <sighs> like, the shit. house. And yeah. Because it's abandoned, which I'll cover later. Um, and in one video, they're like, here's a spot because the blood is still has stained the area. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was there. Ugh. It was definitely there. Um, so the man later found was Douglas Thomas Clark. He was a 28-year-old unemployed man who lived with his mother and sister. And he was known to be a quiet person who kept him to himself most of the time. He was described in many articles as a man who was going through a tough time. But, I mean, like, come on, man. Who's not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so he reached out to Stevens, you know, for her guidance. Um, you know, based on the state of mind Clark was in, Stevens' help may have been way out of her pay grade and expertise, you know, to deal with the kind of problems he was going through. Uh-huh. Uh, so Clark has had consulted Miss Stevens because some Jamaicans had put a hex on him, so he believed, uh, which he referred to as Roots. And he had no spine, and that he could not die. What? So this is what Clark, or yeah, this is what Clark believed. He believed that um, some Jamaicans in the area had, you know, put a spell on him, and he couldn't die. He was. Um, so is that why he was trying to jump in front of the Amtrak to? Possibly because okay. he wouldn't talk to homicide investigators. Okay. So the paramedics that tended to him while he was get after he got arrested. He was telling them about it, and that's when they alerted uh, the police again, saying, you know, this is a suspect, you need to come and get him. But once they did, he didn't release any more information, like, he wouldn't talk at all. I wonder if he was trying to either, like, force himself to die, or if he was trying to see if he really couldn't die, Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, I thought that too, like, since he believed he had a hex on him, um, that he had no spine and could not die, I mean, I could see why he was trying to attempt to attempt suicide to either prove or disprove his his idea of him having a spell on it on him um clark also believed that stevens was a demon that he had to kill because she was the devil so that was his motive um so a psychiatric evaluation of clark at clifton t perkins hospital center for the criminally insane 
uh, Deb Clark schizophrenic. Of course, I mean, yeah, the yeah. signs were all there. Uh, doctors concluded that Clark was competent to understand the charges against him also. Um, so Clark pleaded guilty, but not criminally responsible for first two first-degree murder and was sent uh, to Clifton T. Perkins for the criminally insane. So he pled insanity, basically. He did, yeah. Of course, yeah. Which, I mean, based on his idea... Of the hex and everything, you can see the sign. Yeah, not having a spine and seeking out, um, you know, this fortune teller for for advice, I'm pretty sure, didn't give him the clinical attention that he needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and friends and family reported that he was extremely quiet and didn't talk to anybody, and um, they would try to make him laugh, or I think it was a grocery store worker was like, yeah, he comes in here every day, and, you know, they tried to make him laugh, and but he was just quiet and to himself, so no one else saw these signs either. Mm-hmm. Um, neighbors saw a man arguing with Stevens the morning of her death, but no details after reported that if that was actually him or not mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which people believe that it was um, because Stevens also disclosed to her sons that she was concerned over one of her patient not patients but one of her clients and mm-hmm. she was talking about about Clark Aww. and then she expected or she felt something bad was going to happen but she didn't know that that something bad would have happened to her yeah yeah so, he was sent to Clifton T. Perkins for the criminally insane, and the state had the liberty to decide when Clark would be released. So, I guess it, the rules kind of change, or the laws kind of changed if you're, you know, deemed uh, criminally insane. Well, you know, like, last episode with Chapman, he had a psychiatrist claim that he wasn't dangerous, uh, and then he mm-hmm. went from the mental pedophile place to an actual That's jail right. so yeah. so the psychiatrists are the ones that have the the say on ultimately on if they think you're not dangerous they can move you yeah so um a judge in 1995 said yeah no way no how i mean this is one of his exact words he said <laughs> quote unquote that could never be just like this man is crazy he decapitated a woman he's, he's staying there staying there good but despite oh oh, oh no (laughs) this is like the theme of our podcast but (laughs) i should have seen that coming fuck (laughs) justice is never served in our podcast in our stories uh yeah despite the judge's judgment clark was surprisingly released in 2003 (gasps) to care for his mother why would you want someone who decapitated someone to take care of someone's mother like no that's crazy. Wait, didn't he have... He didn't have brothers? Was he an only child? There wasn't oh, anyone else? Oh, he lived else? with his sister, and I believe he had a brother. And they couldn't take care of his mom? They had to release him? Like, what? And also, what's interesting is... It was kind of hard doing research for this. I, I can't even remember where I heard this story, but I think it was from the videos that people were taking of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but my sources were the Baltimore Sun... Um, they have numerous articles over um, over the case, but it seems like they were the only news source that was really hardcore digging into the story. Yeah. Um, no, like, national outlets. And it made me wonder, like, is it because this is, like, a Romani, a Romani woman? I have a feeling that's you know, why. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't as... I mean, it's extremely central. It could be very sensationalized and like it's a very 
interesting and terrifying and horrible stories. So why wasn't there more on it? Because, mm-hmm. um, it, yeah, it was mo- heavily on the Baltimore Sun that I used. And the Daily News, it's a Daily News article, November 2nd, 1994. And it looks, and it was a newspaper clipping that was posted on Google. Gotcha. And if it's back in the 1990s, obviously they're not going to give a crap about her, you know? It's just that time period and stuff like that, so... It's a shame. Yeah, no, it really is. Um, but the funeral of Stevens brought hundreds to pay their respects to their fallen leader mm-hmm. as they participated in a three-day booze-filled celebration of her life. Aww. Family members vowed to destroy the house in Baltimore, but as we've been discussing that the house still stands, it was later sold, and, I mean, you can go there now today. The now-abandoned home attracts paranormal investigators, and those who are curious to take a look inside were a terrible terribly tragic event took place so yeah if you google baltimore gypsy house it's uh all you i mean the first thing that pops up is a youtube video of you know somebody walking through and the door is missing and you can tell it's just abandoned and not taken care of anymore mm-hmm. it doesn't say who bought the house or it was like um that. it's interesting because one baltimore sun reporter was trying to dig into it Peter Herman of the Baltimore Sun um, in 2009 wrote an article called A House of Horrors Fades into Obscurity. So he was trying to dig into this and try to talk to the owners and the people who have owned it and to figure out why it's still standing since the family was so adamant about it being torn down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Property records list a furniture store as the owner of the house. Um, So it's all public record as mentioned in this article. Um, but the um, the owner didn't want his name to be in the article. Gotcha. Yeah, but, I mean, but you can you could just, just Google it and find yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sure. I didn't since he didn't want to be exposed. I was like, yeah, well, we'll just I just leave owns it. a furniture a furniture store owner um, who now owns the property. I mean, he uses the property for storage, and there's a padlock on both uh, padlock on one of the boards in a doorway and for a place for his employees to bark. Uh, Which is interesting because this is in 2009, but I feel like I saw that people were still visiting it and there was no door. Like, you could just walk in because that this video or this YouTuber did that. He was like, well, I'm back again, and that's because the door is gone. So let me just walk in here and show you around. That sounds like a really weird reason to buy a house where a murder took place to store your stuff get a storage unit well it's probably for it was probably for a good price oh maybe and storage units are kind of pricey so that's true i just i don't know it's kind of sketch i don't know it's better than someone else living in it i guess i i feel like it'd be a really hard sell maybe if you're from the area that's true yeah i mean keep i mean all the articles but if that's the case just knock it down and yeah. Do a memorial or something, you know? Mm-hmm. That it's... Each article mentions that it's next to a Dun- Dunkin' Donuts. Like, <laughs> I keep reading that over and over again. I'm like, well, I know it's by a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, the Daily News article said that Stevens would go in there with her grandchildren every day and buy Aww. creamer. Coffee creamer. Ugh, breaks my heart. I know. But, I mean... Digging into the family in general, the Stevens family, is extremely interesting, too. Oh, aren't they really? Yeah, because they're one of the most well-known uh, Romani clan, that, and they do, you know, fortune-telling all throughout oh. the United States. 
Um, I found one case where it was kind of, they kind of described it as like very Soprano-ish, like rivals against them in another Romani clan. And oh, yeah, wow. there was just so much. Um, not so much that this case like opened the open doors to, but not so much on this case in general, which is a little disheartening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my main sources were the Baltimore Sun and the Daily News um, article that I found just by Googling. Like, I was even diving into page five. <laughs> <laughs> Give me more Give information. Me more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But since Clark was released, um, they couldn't give any information on, like, his mental status now or any, you know, pub- like, health health-related information to the public. Like, if he's on medication or... Yeah, or, or where he is. I couldn't even find a picture of him. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. That is creepy. Do you know if his family was, like, well-off in any way or... No, no. And the area... Oh, I also listened to another podcast that mentioned it, because I always see if there are other podcasts covering the stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see what her name... I forgot. Um... It's a Baltimore, um, a Baltimore-based podcast. It was called Bay Baltimore, B-A-E Baltimore. And she has a fantastic voice, and she just covers all things Baltimore-related, and she covered this story. Um, and she said that the area that the Stevens clan had started doing their uh, palm reading and fortune-telling wasn't in a well-off area. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that uh, I believe where she lived was, she didn't say, I think it was Cherry Hill that they started, mm-hmm. and then she lived in another location by the Dunkin' Donuts, and <laughs> um, so the the community that they provided work to wasn't a well-off community. Okay, okay. Uh, more or less, so um, that might not be the same for all of their clients, but mostly um, those, you know, because those people couldn't afford, um, like, psychiatric help. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, they turned to fortune tellers and other spiritual guidance, you know, to kind of supplement that that resource. Um, And then the mother didn't want to provide information. Like, she didn't want to talk to the press at all. Of course not, yeah. I mean, that's a really difficult thing to talk about. Like, imagine if your child... Decapitated someone. Did something Ugh. terrible, yeah. Um, or had, you know, in this case, had a terrible mental illness that just overtook his mind and made him do something so awful. Yeah, because I was thinking maybe, like, someone paid him off and, like, kind of, like, did some favors to get him out or something like that. Since you said it's not a well-off area, I was like, okay, so maybe that's not the case. Maybe mm-hmm. they really just did think he was okay enough and he was taking medication to go but well it's kind of like your your pedophile from last week i know i know <laughs> i don't know was he from like a wealthy family or he didn't seem like it i mean he didn't seem like he could accumu- accumulate wealth in order to do that since he was in prison for so long yeah no he was like working at his a janitor and stuff like that so it's just his age they deemed him yeah safe air quotes and a big old eye roll that he's safe to come back out to the public yeah because this would have been almost 10 years that he was released um more or less so he would have been in his 40s almost 40 so that's still very dangerous that's still yeah yeah well i'm assuming he's taking his medication then and was going through therapy and stuff so and there was also that one man i mean this is total side note um maybe something we talk about later but it was the man that 
had decapitated another man on a greyhound. Did you oh, ever yes, read about that? Oh, yes, uh, He was eating him or something like yeah. that. And, yeah. Because mm-hmm. he thought that he was, like, the devil or a demon, and God told him to do that. Yeah. Uh, he, I was just thinking about him, like, two days ago. A, I think he was released, too. I believe so. <sighs> so there has to be some reason. If you're a psychiatrist and <laughs> you have the answers, please let us know. Help us out. It'd be nice to know, yeah, something yeah. we can dig into later. But, yeah, poor... Um, Sister Myra. Yeah, that's sad. That's real sad. I mean, at least they caught him, but she really didn't get justice because he was let out, and yeah, that drives and me crazy. Seemed like she did a lot for the community and tried to help others. And last guys finish, or good guys finish last, I guess. It's always the good ones that just get the shit under the stick. So yeah, but um. The whole history of, like, the Romani is just extremely interesting. And, you know, fortune-telling. I think I had asked you a question about fortune-telling last week. I was like, yeah, yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that I was, like, trying to segue, but, um, yeah, there were, I, like I said, I fell into, like, the rabbit hole, and I found stories of um, fortune-tellers scamming people of, like, millions of dollars mm-hmm. and all kinds of fun stuff. That, Show me your ways, because that's... <laughs> I know. That's some good that's, scamming. <laughs> that's really what I want to know. I'm like, how do you do it? I'd probably feel bad, though. I'd be like, here's oh, my money back. Oh, I would totally <laughs> feel bad. But I just want to know how you can predict things that seem accurate to me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know. I think it's a lot of fishing for information. I don't know if anyone really truly can capture, like, the future and all that, so... I don't know. That's a whole nother topic and a whole nother thing. Yeah, because I do have another woman that is like a a mystic and who predicts the future. And she passed away a long time ago, but I'm saving that for another day. Gotcha, gotcha. Because she had predicted some pretty crazy Oh, is that the lady who like predicted all like the natural disasters and... Mm, She predicted 9-11. I think there's a couple people. I think she's from... Anyways, I'm saving it. Gotcha. Okay, okay, fine. She's blind. <laughs> Is that the one that you're thinking? Maybe. I think that's home. I don't know much about her, but I, I think sounds briefly right. Well, that led me. This story led me there. It led me to gotcha. so many places. <laughs> like, in my notes, I have, like, three different categories on the bottom that I was, like, copy and pasting articles mm-hmm. that did not relate at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hey, whatever, you know. If it's interesting, I don't care. Just bring it here, so. So, um, wait, 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 whoa, what wait. are you drinking? Oh. I forgot. This is a booze podcast. <laughs> um, I'm just drinking Pepsi, because like I said, I really don't drink a lot, so I don't know why we call this booze podcast. Because I drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I am drinking Love Street by Carbock. Is that good? Is it like light? What is it? Yeah, it's a Kolsch style blonde. Mm. I feel like blondes are pretty light. Yeah. Like, it's a good summer beer that's still crafty and uh, it's got a cute little can the orange and the blue and yeah dude Carbock is just great like i love all of their beers i'll have this to is, try them this is not an advertisement i promise <laughs> but I if just you really want to sponsor like, us i just really like Carbock. um i see a lot of their little vans driving around san antonio like yeah, promoting love street gotcha yeah. but i was told like a big beer company had bought them out a long time ago so they have the means to just be everywhere now. That makes sense, yeah. Because I had never seen them before, and then you brought the, those over to my house, and now I'm seeing them everywhere, and I'm like, oh, this is creepy. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just noticing it. There's a word yeah. for it. I just don't know what the word is. Yeah, some natural phenomenon that I can't think of. 
Oh, right. Advertising. Yes. <laughs> like when you're talking about <laughs> stuff marketing. on your phone and it like pops up. Oh my God. That's definitely that. a thing. Yeah. It's creepy. Or like I'll be like randomly Googling stuff and then all of a sudden I get ads for it on my Facebook and I'm like, I don't want to buy this. I was just I was snooping. about it. Yeah. I get some, that's probably why I get really weird ads. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. All those crazy wish ads. Yes. I got one. I screenshotted it because I kind of want it. It's, you know, those sequin pillows that mm-hmm. you rub. And then it changes different colors. Is it the one with Nicola Cage? Nicholas Cage, yes. <laughs> yes, I need that for my living room. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, no, last time they were advertising, like, a bag of pills to me, and I was like, what the fuck? What's wrong with you, Wish? Like, <laughs> what do you, who do you think I yeah, am? Yeah, yeah, it was just a plastic bag filled with pills, and then there's always, like, weird, like, dildo ads, and, like, I've had chastity belts advertised, <laughs> and I'm like, what do you think I'm looking up? Like, You're just casually scrolling, being professional sometimes, and whoop. There's, there's a big there's old dildo, dildo on my screen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my story is actually a throwback to that week I was in Austin. Mm-hmm. And we went to go look at all the creepy shops and all that, and we were looking at the Ouija boards and all that. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing the history of the Ouija board. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah. I'm going to sit back and bench on my popcorn. Now. Yes. <laughs> so my resources were Thought Catalog, Psychics for Today, the Smithsonian Magazine, Time Magazine, Time Magazine, Time Magazine, <laughs> Time Magazine, Reader's Digest, and there there is a show called Brain Games. Have you seen Brain Games? I've heard of it. Okay, so I was watching some clips on that too. So that's going to be in here too. So the history of the Ouija board is actually really hard to trace. Um, and they actually have like specialists who specialize in trying to figure out the history of the Ouija board. What? And it's weird because it's really not. I'm on the job hunt. So I think that's <laughs> what my next career venture is going to be. Can't wait to go home and tell my husband. <laughs> this is my new job. <laughs> Um, but no, like, once they kind of started to track it down, it's actually not. So spiritualism became big in 1848 due to the Fox sisters. Have you ever heard of the Fox sisters? Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course you have. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for those of you who don't know who the Fox sisters are, um, they are sisters from upstate New York who could, who could communicate to spirits by knocking on walls. So the sisters would run through the alphabet, like A, B, C, and they would get a knockback and a response for the letter that they wanted. And it was a long process, and people grew really bored of it And with how slow the process was, and they needed a faster way to communicate. But even though with all that, it was a big hype, so they became huge, huge celebrities, and just spiritualism and talking to the dead just became like a huge hit, and everyone wanted to do it. So before the Ouija board, Christians in America regularly contacted the other side. It was like a huge part of their dogma, which is kind of like the principles and set principles, set ways of Christianity, which is crazy Mm -hmm. because you look at it now and it's a big no-no. So speaking to the dead was actually considered a wholesome family activity. You could do it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I laugh because I can't imagine my mom, like, if I come over next time like she always wants to play cards against humanity mm-hmm. and sometimes i think that's bad like yeah. imagine me coming over like hey mom we're gonna contact your godfather right <laughs> she would kill me yeah so people would regularly have seance parties saturday night church service sunday morning like that was just their thing um and this was because the lifespan back in this time was about 50 years old so people were dying really young and with the civil war there was just death everywhere people were constantly dying And it gave people a lot of comfort because they were desperate to contact past loved ones and have a chance to reconnect with them. And actually, 
President Abraham Lincoln's wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, even used seances to contact Willie Lincoln, their 11-year-old son who had died of a fever in 1862. Before, of course, his father passed away. Yeah. yeah. So the son couldn't just give him a heads up? I, I guess not. I don't even know if she was able to contact him or not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just one of those things. It'd be your own family sometimes. <laughs> so... It was just big. It was such a big phenomenon that everyone loved to do, and there was just no fear of contacting the wrong thing. And in 1886, there was the first report of a board used to talk to spirits at a spiritualism camp in Ohio. And it just had basic letters on it, numbers, and there was a little planchette-like item used to point to what you wanted. And in 1890, Charles Kennard jumped at the chance for faster communication and reports of the board. It was just a huge money opportunity, and he knew he couldn't pass it up. He was a man of his time, and he wanted to take advantage of it. True entrepreneur. Yes. So Charles asked E.C. Wretch to make some boards, and E.C. was a cabinet and coffin maker. So that was just, like, his thing. He could do it. Cabinets and coffins. Yes. Nothing else. <laughs> Just that. Don't ask me about a coffee table. Don't ask me about a shelf. <laughs> Cabinets and coffins only. <laughs> EC later claimed that Charles stole the idea from him. So we really don't know who exactly had the idea for the Ouija board. It mm-hmm. goes back back and forth a lot if it was EC or Charles. Um, but Charles ended up jumping the gun. So he gathered three other men to start Kennard's novelty company. Uh, one of them was Eli Bonds, who was a local attorney. Remember that? Um, another was Colonel Washington Bowie, a surveyor, and I couldn't find the name of the other one, but I'm assuming it was all it was EC. He they just dropped him off early on. Um, but these men were not spiritual; they just didn't believe in any of that, which is kind of ironic that they mm-hmm. created this board. So once the design was settled, they had to name it. And Ouija is actually not a mixture of the French word yes, which is we, or the German word yes, which is G. G. Wait, so it is a mix of the two. It's not. Oh, it's not. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I always wonder where the hell they got that name, because if I, (laughs) like, Google it, I can never spell it right. Yeah. Well, you're about to learn. So, they contacted Elias' sister-in-law, Helen Peters, and Helen Peters was supposed to be a strong medium, and according to founder letters about the Ouija board from Kennard and EC and Elijah and all that, sorry, Elijah and everybody else, They all gathered at 529 North Charles Street in Baltimore, which is still standing, and it's now a 7-Eleven. Whoa, Baltimore. I wonder if it's next to the Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) Right? It's the 7-Eleven Dunkin' Donuts. We did not plan this. (laughs) So they all sat in a group and started to play. So Helen asked the board what to name it, and the board spelled out Ouija. So they asked the board what it meant, and it spelled out good luck. (laughs) So, like... Good fortune, or like good luck. Exactly, is... you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> good luck finding out. Yes, but Helen was wearing a locket with the photo of a famous woman rights activist and author, and above the woman's head was the word Ouija. But the woman's name was Uda, which you spell Ouija O I J A. Her name is spelled. Oh, sorry. So you spell Ouija O U I J A. Her name was spelled O U I D A. So some believe they just misread the board. (laughs) Happy accidents. Who knows if it was Uda trying to say, hey, this is my board, like this is my name, or it was really Ouija, that means good luck. We just don't know because it's just traces of the founder letter. So once they had a name for the board and they found out it worked, they 
brought Helen to the patent office, and the patent office chief wanted them to prove that it worked. He didn't tell them his name, and he wanted them to have the board spell it out. And it did. The chief was so freaked out that he signed the patent and sent them on their way. But some believe because Elijah was a local attorney that he already knew the name of the man, and on the patent they didn't want to explain how it worked just to create more mystery in sales. So like I said, mm-hmm. big old entrepreneurs and smart dudes. Yeah, they have the resources to get these names and this information, so I feel like they just use it to their advantage. Mm-hmm. They had an employee named William Fold, and this man rose in ranks to become a stockholder and soon he began running the company in 1893. In the 19th century, Ouija boards were booming. Like, they were just selling like crazy. And in 1927, after consulting the Ouija board, they started building another factory. But William fell off the roof of the new factory and died soon after the construction finished. Creepy. Yeah, so everyone thinks, oh, you know, the Ouija board, you know, you build something, you're gaining from it, now you have to get something, Mm. like, a consequence for it so that that's a lot of mystery surrounding that he could have just slipped and fell who knows but it makes a good story yes yes it does the spirits came through the ouija board and pushed him off yeah Yeah, i like that story better (laughs) so by 1967 two million ouija boards had been sold and it was the only time and it was the only game at the time to outsell monopoly damn Monopoly. <laughs> six hour game right there yes i'd rather just spend six minutes talking to a dead person than play monopoly <laughs> so i understand i get it <laughs> yeah. so everything was great for the ouija board and for kennard and all that like everything was booming until in 1973 when the exorcism came out Ooh. oh we were just talking about yes that. we were <laughs> coming full circle here yes, i love it so before the movie, the Ouija board was like super lighthearted and fun. I remember, I think there's a Golden Girls clip where they're joking about the Ouija board or something like that. Like this was just very airy and fun and it wasn't something to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. But overnight it became the devil's tool and people were terrified of it. So it soon spiraled into negativity and it's still seen as that today. I mean, take my And this was when The Exorcist came out? This was, like, night after The Exorcist came out. Everyone was Was just freaked out. It said 1973. Oh. 70s, 80s. Man, that's the time, like, they took all the fun away. I know. Fuckers. (laughs) (laughs) I could have a Ouija board in my house right now if Matt wasn't so scared of um, freaking exorcism. (laughs) So Hasbro bought the patent and the rights in 1991, and they still sell them today. And, like, I, when Towers of Rust was still around, I saw them at Toys R Us all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, they were just with all the board games. They were just chilling there. By 2001, it was denounced by all religious groups. They just didn't want anything to do with it at that point. So, strange and questionable Ouija stories have been happening since they were first sold. Uh, take that with a grain of salt if you want to believe or not. But I'm just going to tell you some. So, here we go. So in 1920, National Wire Services reported that would-be crime solvers were turning to their Ouija boards for clues in mysterious murders of a New York City gambler, Joseph Burton Elwell. And they interfered a lot with police investigations, so it frustrated the police a lot because it was kind of like, you know how now we have like um, citizens, citizen uh, detectives and all that Mm -hmm. they were just plugging themselves yeah (laughs) they were just plugging themselves and involving themselves in a lot of stuff and it just got in the way of police and they were getting pissed okay 
Um, and then in 1921, the New York Times reported that a Chicago woman was being sent to a psychiatric hospital, and there she tried to explain to doctors that she wasn't suffering from a mania, but that her Ouija board had told her to leave her mother's dead body in the living room for 15 days before burying her in the backyard. So the spirit wanted her to bury her mother in the backyard. To me, that's more weird than the 15 days inside the home because, I don't know, if you've ever experienced this, this I have I not like, had a body. I, no, 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 let me finish, let me finish. <laughs> in some cultures, some Hispanic families. Oh, the wake. They do, they, oh, more old school, traditional, used to be, if somebody passed away, they had the body, like, in their home. Yeah, Because well, they had to be watched 24-7. Yeah, when my grandfather passed, I think they had him just chilling in the casket at the house for like four days or five days or something like that Mm -hmm. and then they buried oh then they cremated him but yeah no yeah i think i'm not sure if some people do it like the time no no no. i guess that wouldn't make sense i was thinking maybe it's as long as they do the rosary but probably not because that'd be a really long time yeah um and i know other cultures just leave don't even bury some bodies they just leave them there um but i i am i doubt this woman was doing anything to preserve the body and her mom's body was just chilling there for 15 days you know yeah so that's weird yeah so in 1930 two women in buffalo new york murdered another woman supposedly on the encouragement of the ouija board and in 1958 a connecticut court decided not to honor the ouija board will of miss helen dow peck who left only $1,000 to two former servants, an insane $152,000 to Mr. John Gale Forbes, a lucky but body... (laughs) This is so fucking ridiculous. A lucky but bodiless spirit who contacted her via the Ouija board. Yeah, I probably wouldn't honor that either. Isn't that crazy? Wait, so the spirit was like, here's my will. Yeah, basically. Here's this money. So the spirit was like, hey, you're gonna die soon. Put me in your will. Give me all this money. But it's a spirit. Yeah. You can't get that money. I know, I know. And her poor <laughs> slaves only, or and her poor servants only got like a thousand dollars. That's insane. That's how cats get kidnapped. The rest of cats. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, do I haven't seen that movie in so board. long? <laughs> and then on a more. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're gonna laugh your ass off at this right now. So I was on Reddit, and I wanted like a first-hand recent account. Yes, I was going to ask you about a recent account, but yes. I was like, let me wait till she finishes. So this is <laughs> this is from Dr. Titty Wrinkle on Reddit. <laughs> Reddit is a reliable source with reliable people. So It's a real doctor. <laughs> so Dr. Titty Wrinkle, he, I'm sorry, this is so ridiculous, um, so I'm going to read it like I'm him. <clears throat> titty wrinkle. <laughs> I am titty wrinkle right now. I purchased a Ouija board from Amazon thinking it was bull crap. I had some friends over and we popped it out. Three of us with our hands on it were asking questions. Nothing happens. We leave the slider. It's a planchette, dude. On the board <laughs> and leave the room. Came back and the slider had slid off the board onto the floor. Nevertheless, to say we were pretty freaked out. Ever since then, my house has come to life. I've seen dark masses peeking around corners multiple times. I look and it goes away, and then it appears when I look. Wait, what? Sorry, Titty Wrinkle has really bad grammar. (laughs) I don't say. (laughs) I look and it goes away, and then it appears when I look away. Does that make sense to you? It appears 
Oh, like he looks oh, away oh. and then it's kind of like in the corner of his eye. Maybe? Okay, sorry, Dr. Teddy Wrinkle. Let me go back. Um, if you're listening to this, Teddy Wrinkle, we're sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I look and it goes away and then it appears when I look away. My parents and brother have also said that they've seen and heard weird things since then. Their names are being called when no one calls it. And my brother has claimed his phone charger has slid across the floor. I had a different friend over a few weeks ago, and he woke up in the middle of the night and saw a tall, dark figure standing in the doorway watching him sleep. I asked everyone in the house, and it wasn't them. And last night is the tipping point. I woke up at around 3.15 a.m., the witching hour, and saw a dark figure at the end of my bed. No face or distant features, just a very big, very dark, darker than the darkness as the as it was no light in my room. God, titty wrinkle. <laughs> no face or distinct features, just a very big, very dark mass, and it disappeared, and I felt so cold. I managed to go back to sleep and woke up throwing up this morning. I decayed what I brought into my house, but let this be a warning. Ouija boards are not to be fucked with. <laughs> oh, and there's an update. He put, after all these incidents, I got my brother and his girlfriend to do it with me to, and to tell it to leave, and this time it moved. I did not think they were moving it. I asked, what are you, and it instantly went to BZB. I'm not sure who that could be. None of us know anybody with those initials. We all told it we don't want it here and to leave and said goodbye. I hope that is enough to make the strange thing stop happening. Now, BZB, do you remember how when we went to Austin, we bought our portraits of the little bats? Mm-hmm. Beelzebub normally says bzb oh, and that's, that's my what I little thinking. i was googling it yeah the little bat behind this yes that's my little bat so and he is considered one of the princes of hell so titty wrinkle Ooh, you need to get some sage a demon in your house <laughs> get out yes so now to destroy everyone's dreams i'm going to tell you how the ouija board works or maybe I'll just back up how you feel about the Ouija board and, you know, we'll be good. But I always have to throw some science in I here. I was waiting for it. Because I'm just one of those people that likes to crush everybody's dreams. Dream <laughs> um, so how does it work? By touching the planchette, the Ouija board spirits supposedly use your energy to move the planchette. But it's likely caused by the ediometer effect. And this is a psychological phenomenon where a subject makes motions unconsciously. Um... And when we went to Austin and, you know, we were playing with the Ouija board, well, me, Gabriel, and the other Gabriel, right? Mm-hmm. So when me, Gabriel, and Gabriel were messing around with the Ouija board, I could feel my hands twitching. I knew that it was me, like, twitching my fingers. I had already done the research for this, so oh. I kind of already had it Wait, in my mind. Wait, you did it before you played with it? Yes, I had already oh, done this. Um, that's why I was super excited when we were going and I was, like, touching everything. And I wasn't and... looking. I was looking away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Like, I could literally feel my hands twitching on the board, and then Gabe, or Gabriel, he was like, I, it feels like there's another force, like, joking, because he felt like someone else Nobody's, was pushing he's it. He's so full of shit, I wasn't even listening to him. <laughs> yeah, so, that's where I totally believe, like, this effect can definitely work, because mm-hmm. I felt it with myself. And the planchette's feet are very smooth, they're kind of, like, felt bottom, so it slides mm-hmm. so easy, so any little motion is going to make it move. Mm-hmm. And when you have multiple people... You don't know who is pushing yeah. or who's not. So if you still want to play, um, and I'm giving a disclaimer, if you get haunted or you fuck something up that is on you, don't <laughs> sue me. <laughs> That'd be an interesting case, right? suing someone over... Um... Ouija board instructions because a demon is haunting their house. Exactly. Like, I don't even know how that would stand in court. I'm sure it could stand in court, but, you know, 
so don't sue me please so when you open the ouija board there's no rules in it they just say you know like talk around have fun with your spirits whatever there's no direct instructions so i had to go onto different websites to see the proper etiquette for the ouija board so these aren't in any order they're just kind of what i gathered one don't play alone i was gonna ask that i was like well because yeah we were talking about how there's multiple people Mm -hmm. like well maybe we just play alone yeah no that's rule number one don't play alone why they just say that some spirits are too strong and that can cause it but i think it kind of just ruins the effect of yeah because then you don't have any other people pushing unconscious mind trying to push it yeah um don't taunt the spirits don't ask if the Ouija board is working, which we did in Austin. <laughs> Don't make jokes about it. I feel we... like that's everybody. That's like all of the things that people do. Yeah. Um, don't joke about it, which we also did. Don't play in a cemetery. Do not play in your home. Never ask about a person that's not in the room. Um, you only ask about people who are in the room. You don't ask when someone will die. You don't ask about the future. You don't ask about sickness. And you don't ask if you're in contact with a demon or about possession. Well, that sounds like all of the things... That you would want to ask. That everybody does. (laughs) Yes. Um, You need to always say hello, and you always have to say goodbye. If the board makes a figure eight, you end the session immediately. If it starts counting down or going through each letter of the alphabet individually, you need to end it immediately because it is supposedly a demon trying to escape the board (laughs) if the board spells out the letters z-o z-o which is zozo ended immediately he's bad and he's considered the demon of the ouija board if you do end up in contact with the demon do not burn the board get it blessed because that can cause even more ill effect always remove the planchette after playing because it's bad luck if you leave it so dr titty wrinkle that was your mistake (laughs) (laughs) you should have read the rules dude yes don't take your finger off without saying goodbye and you must assign a leader to speak and ask questions no one else should speak with the leader which is which is kind of hard because when you see the letters moving you want to say the letters out loud you're not supposed to um you need to assign a note taker to write down the letters but don't guess out the letters like i said so don't be like oh it's an a oh it's a c you know see i could do that i could do the note i could be the note taker yeah yeah I mean, that you, that's what you used to do, so. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm like, it's part of my uh, job, past job description. Um, so there's like, there's a ton of rules for the Ouija board. So if you screw it up and you do decide to play and shit goes haywire, don't sue me. That's not on me. That's on you. <laughs> um, and when I was kind of exploring brain games and stuff like that, they had a big group of people and they were asking questions and they asked this girl, this clip is on YouTube, you can look at it. And she's like, Grandpa, what is your favorite opera? And the whole group moved to the letter P. And she's like, oh, Phantom of the Opera. So then he's like, okay, well, now we're going to blindfold everybody and do it. So then the girl started asking other questions. And the the planchette was moving, but it wasn't landing on letters. Oh, interesting. So that kind of goes back to the, the effect, the psychological phenomenon that if people aren't around and watching it, they can't mm-hmm. maneuver where they want it to go subconsciously. Yeah, I think it's like if you, like your eyes automatically go to the assumed location without you thinking about it. So you subconsciously, subconsciously move your hand. Yeah. 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 
So, Ouija board, not as fucked up as everyone thinks. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Unless you have demons in your house. That's true. Um, then, I don't know. I get, that's interesting. Right. I mean, knowing that, and even still learning that, it's all, like, part of your mind doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't want to do it. Like, <laughs> I want to pay somebody to do it and record their experiences. Well, that's where we went to Austin, and I saw it, and it was at that bar we went to. I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm not home. Like, mm-hmm. I've kind of already read about this stuff. Let's just see. And it didn't move. Like, I felt my fingers twitching, but it, it didn't move. And that was with three people playing, so, mm-hmm. you know. Well, maybe no spirits wanted to hang out at that bar. Maybe, maybe. So, see, we would have been considered, like, normal and cool, but now, because of the exorcism, we're freaks. <laughs> we need to bring ba- that back. We need to bring all of that back. Right. That's that's <laughs> never going to come back. Oh, my goodness. No. Maybe. I don't know. There's so many podcasts and people. Shudder, like yes. we talked about earlier. Please sponsor us, Shudder. I know. I want... <laughs> I need to download it. We need to download it. Yes. We'll, we'll mess around with it and check it out. Mm-hmm. We'll let y'all know. Yeah. Well, give it our thumbs up approval. Yeah. And you know how you were saying maybe it'll come back? Like recently when I was in, well, not recently. I graduated from high school like four years ago. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> five, four, 2014. What is it now? I'm older than you. I don't want to hear it. Ooh, five years. <laughs> like a reminder of how I've been out of high school longer than that. <laughs> so when I was in high school, um, I went to go live with my dad for a little bit. And he, you know, he got remarried and all this stuff. And my stepmom's family is extremely Christian, like hardcore Christian. Like I couldn't even bring scary movies into the house. Like if I was listening to like music that was a little too loud, like My Chemical Romance or Three Days Grace. Which we always bring up every yeah. three episodes. Which Three Days Grace <laughs> is a Christian rock band, but whatever. They didn't want to hear didn't it. I know that. Yeah. Um, Flyleaf too. Oh they, yeah, Flyleaf yeah. I didn't know Yeah, of. no, those were big no-nos in my house or their house. And um, Halloween came around, and, like, Halloween is my shit. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just, I plan for it months in advance. And they're like, nope, that's the devil's holiday. We're not doing any of that, blah, 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 blah. I was so bummed out. Like, so, you know, just, like, all that stuff is so tainted by just the perception that it's all awful and evil and all that, so. Yeah, which I feel like it's a lot of just misunderstandings much mm-hmm. like the ouija yes yes on how it works yeah the demons i'm not too sure kind of want to pay like a comic like maybe to check 50 out bucks to do <laughs> it and then record their experiences you know a shit ton of comics though so and that's why i said them yeah I yeah. Know, I'm like, yeah here's some money get them drunk and play and we could post it or something that'd be fun that'd mm-hmm. be fun make sure to have some sage and a priest on hand <laughs> but yeah that is episode five. Ooh, wow that was good. You did a good job. Thank you. You I did really it. good, too. I liked it. I had more time to, to write now. <laughs> Although, I'm kind of bummed because I'm kind of craving Dunkin' now, which is pretty fucked Dunkin up. Dunkin' Donuts? Yes. There's one, like, right around the house. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Maybe we'll have to make a stop. If you're ever in Baltimore. And, yeah, I don't know. Would you go to that house? Would you visit it? I would. I, I would. I definitely would. I mean... But you also have to be very sensitive to the fact that someone was murdered there, yeah. and you have to be respectful. And I'm sure a ton of people aren't respectful and They're just, just like, destroy oh, stuff. It's haunted. Yeah, yeah. It's like if I'm gonna visit a place like that, I'm tr- gonna try to be as respect, respectable, respect, respectable, respectful, respectful. Jesus Christ! It's the mic. <laughs> I'm gonna try and be as respectful as possible. So yeah, that's a big thing. Like, um. What's his name? Fucking Zach Baggins? Boggins? <laughs> Zach He's Baggins. so rude. Like, oh, no. 
<laughs> no wonder so they're always fucking you up. Like, then he get possessed, and he like talks about how he was possessed. Oh all yes, the time. he brags about his possession. I wouldn't and... brag about it. I'd no. be like, that's what you get for being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you guys for tuning into episode five. Yes, thank you. Join us next week for yes. another chilling or two chilling stories every topics. Monday. Yes. Um, and you can find us on Booze Podcast on all the socials. That's B-O-O-Z Podcast. On Instagram. Facebook. Twitter. Gmail. If you have any questions, comments, your stories, anything interesting. Send it to us. Please. And that's Booze Podcast. B-O-O-Z at gmail.com. Awesome. Can't wait to hear from you guys. And Talk to you next time. And we'll talk to you next Monday. <laughs> Bye. Have a good week. Bye.